you know what time it is. It's now going to be the Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels. Another glorious week along with you at the Fuzzball Nation. Good God almighty. So there were a couple of oddball stories that are going to be one-off, but I still think they're worth bringing up. Does everybody remember gunfire on two North Carolina substations plunges tens of thousands into darkness and cold? Well, there was all some kind of gunfire that occurred in North Carolina in... Oh, Moore County, which is 90 miles east of Charlotte. Now, if you just read the story, there doesn't seem much to it. I heard rumors about how these were activists against the transgender movement and, and wokeism in school. So, you know, they must be MAGA professionals and gun owners. They probably have an AR-15. And if they've got an AR-15, the AR must stand for assault rifle. And we've got to stop. No, no, I, I'm not going to buy that. But what I will buy is what's in Moore County in North Carolina. And that's the McCall Air Army Airfield, M-A-A-F. Now, what's interesting about that seems innocuous, but it is a training ground for special forces. Do a quick Google search on it. So what that says to me is that they are probably training Ukrainian Nazis at McCall Army Airfield. And somebody said enough is enough. And they decided to send a message to try and knock out the power to McCall Army Airfield for some reason. I don't know what the reason could be. It could be that there is somebody over there that is high profile. But overall, I think that's going to be a lot closer than what they're going to tell you about some rogue MAGA activists. Then there was this other little item that was declassified. Uh, at least it's come to light now. I don't know exactly when it was declassified. It comes from the CIA reading room, and it is marked from 1971, November 27th, 1971. And so what do we find out in this memo? Uh, we find out that, well, Adolf Hitler was buried in Spain in a cemetery in Alamedina. And, well, he died at the age of 68 years old. So what is that? If he died at 68, that means he lived for another 12 years after World War II. And I think that is very, very interesting because, in uh, well, 12 years after World War II is 1967. And what happens in 1967? Well, you have surveyor three which was the third lander that went onto the moon and surveyor three landed oddly enough on april 20th 1967 which was none other than hitler's birthday so gosh what are the odds of that could it be a little ceremony that they decided to display to the world and others in the know that oh the fuhrer has died he has gone kaput and to celebrate, or at least honor, his tradition will land something on the moon on his birthday. By the way, something to remember, old Chris Michaels called it out first by reading all of Kanye West's messages and uh, interviews with a German accent. So don't thank me. 
Uh, I, it was just something I channeled. This is just something I felt that Kanye West would sound good in a German accent. And after he went on Infowars and did that weird little bizarre psyop, uh, there he goes ranting and raving about, you know what? Hitler ain't such a bad guy. He had a good few points. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever you say, big guy. <laughs> anyway, I mean... <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, talk about morons. I mean, seriously, talk about these monumental piles of effing morons. Uh, oh, and before we get any further, uh, the reason why the State Department had to tell... Uh, the, who, who is this? Uh, oh, the White House, uh, that Hitler had died 12 years after, um, after World War II was because none other than Henry Kissinger requested the data. He wanted to know whether or not the Fuhrer was dead. So, I mean, you could read between the lines and all of this. They knew Hitler was alive and they're trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> so, oh God. And speaking of Nazis... Does everybody remember Balenciaga, you know, the uh, the fashion firm that was out there and they were displaying BDSM teddy bears uh, displayed uh, with children and the children were also in satanic rituals and then you had all those disgusting, reprehensible human beings. Well, the creative director for Balenciaga, his name is Demna Gavasalia, or G-V-A-S-A-L-I-A, however you pronounce that. Do you know? Another side gig that Demna has, well, he is the ambassador of President Zelensky's fundraising platform, United24. I mean, so <laughs> you've, got, you've got a borderline pederast Satanist, if not outright, judging by his photos and his photo shoots. Uh, yeah, he's raising money for Nazis in the Ukraine. <laughs> He's a, oh, okay, so it was launched, United24, was launched on May 5th, May Day, oddly enough, 2022, to be the main venue for collecting charitable donations in support for the Ukraine. I, I wonder if FTX was involved in any of this. I wonder if, if uh, the, you know, all of the Democrats were involved in fundraising with the... the innocuous Demna. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. These people are ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Who could take these people seriously? And why would you want to? Why would you want to? Which brings us to, to the Democrats and what happened on Friday with Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi. I remember Matt Taibbi when he first really started to break out when he was writing for Rolling Stone. Uh, and he was on Imus in the Morning for a while. And if you read up on Matt Taibbi, he used to play basketball. Like, he fell off the face of the earth because his father was in the same industry, and his father was a prolific, uh, I believe, a prolific writer, too. Uh, fell off the face of the earth to play basketball in the middle of Siberia and in Russia. So I'm wondering when the mainstream media is going to try to run that up the flagpole and say he's nothing more than a Russian agent of discord. And you mustn't believe Matt Taibbi ever, ever, ever. Well, 
Like I said, these Democrats are not going to stop L.A. County from the Ron Paul Institute, Barbara Ferrer. So if you look at Barbara Ferrer, she looks like a wet dog. She also looks like a cadaverous wet dog. Her eyes are sunken in. It always looks like she's on some kind of ADHD pill or maybe some kind of legalized meth. And her hair always looks soggy. It looks like she just stepped out of a shower and she just dumped into work. So L.A. is now reporting that, oh, Ferrer said the mandate for masks would be issued if two hospital metrics are reached and if there's 10 per 100,000 residents and greater than 10% rate of staffed inpatient beds being occupied by COVID patients, she's going to reinstitute the mask mandates, even though a study last week came out and said even N95 masks are completely useless against the COVID-19 supposed virus. So please, for the love of Christ, stop with the nonsense. And if you've got these maniacal degenerates that are trying to force you into subservience, then please draw a line in the sand. Start bringing some kind of factual data to their attention and do not let up. Do not let up. Bring it up to them at every single conceivable moment when they are in the public eye. If they're having a hearing, just divert the whole hearing when it comes to this kind of stuff. So the Democrats are not letting go of this power. And you see that in L.A. County. You see what happened on Friday with Matt Taibbi. And you saw what he wrote about, which, by the way, I'm of the camp that Matt Taibbi was basically contacted by Elon Musk and said, look, you've got, I don't know, you've got a week to figure this out. Get over here. You can have any of the data you want. Just put something together. We need to start airing this stuff out for some reason. Because now you can even find rumors that Elon Musk is uh, even venturing the, uh, well, putting forth the idea that maybe he wants to purchase Apple, too, in the next two years, by 24 or 25. So keep that in mind. I mean, we're always ahead of the curve here, so uh, I, I just try to do that more often than not. So what did we find out from Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi? Well, if you've been living under a rock, uh, basically you found out exactly what we already knew. And so we find out that the Democrats were involved in censorship. And when I say Democrats, I mean the Biden team, as they're called, and also the Democrat employees and contractors that worked for Twitter. So all of the liberals come out and they're all saying this one they're all citing this one little text that Matt Taibbi not text I should say but tweet that Matt Taibbi put up there in a sequence of many tweets and they're not reading all of the tweets after the one that they're citing so Matt Taibbi essentially says in one of his tweets that Both sides, Democrats and Republicans, including the White House. Now, who's the White House at the time? Donald Trump administration. They had the ability to request accounts be censored and removed. 
And that's it. That's all the Democrats cite. They only look at that one tweet out of many tweets of Matt Taibbi's and say, see, this was really just as bad for Donald Trump. This is all Donald Trump's fault because he's the one that could potentially be censoring everybody. And we had to stand up to fascism. Well, if you read the next tweet, Matt Taibbi specifically cites the amount of Democrat Party donors that work for Twitter. And it's something like over 97% of employees that work for Twitter donated to the Democrat Party. So it's not a matter of both sides having the ability to censor tweets and censor accounts. It's a major point to understand that they can both send in requests, but which requests are going to be honored? I can promise you it's not a censorship request from the Trump administration, never mind a Republican. They're all going to be enacted on behalf for the Democrats. Even one tweet that Matt Taibbi actually cited, he goes and he actually puts a photo or a screenshot of what he saw It says more to review, and this is on October 24th, late into the election cycle of 2020, more to review from the Biden team. The Biden team is not in the White House. The Biden team is part of the Democrat Party campaign for the White House. It means that there's a whole bunch of private citizens. Maybe because it looks like the FBI is incredibly involved in all of this, not unincredibly involved in all of this. And then the reply back in this screenshot merely says handled. So they weren't even vetting anybody when it came to these Democrat requests of censoring supposed fascists across Twitter. It's nonsense. Sean Cooksey on Twitter at Sean J. Cooksey said, nor did decision makers at Twitter or to the best of the company's knowledge, anyone authorized to act on Twitter's behalf, even communicate with Biden's campaign regarding Twitter's decision to enforce its content moderation policies with respect to the New York Post articles. So let's read that again. So he is citing, Sean is citing, Twitter told the FEC, in its response to a complaint about the New York Post censorship event. And he says Twitter did not receive a request from the Biden campaign to review, much less restrict, the New York Post articles. Nor did decision makers at Twitter, or to the company's knowledge, has anyone authorized to act on Twitter's behalf, even communicate with the Biden campaign regarding this. So what does that mean? It means that there is some kind of coordination going on behind closed doors that allowed the FBI and the FEC and Twitter and anybody else within big tech and the Democrat Party to coordinate, but basically off the record. Now, Chris Michaels is a a little bit jaded when it comes to this. How could you coordinate this kind of seditious act During an election cycle, I would take a look at any sort of fraternal organizations that may have been involved. (laughs) One comes to mind, as I'm assuming it all popped into your head. The last time 
a government tried to censor and remove fraternal organizations from the political landscape, uh, the Weimar Republic was ended. And then we all know what happened for the next 12 years. So nothing good, nothing good. But that's how I would say this occurs. Now, this, this kind of behavior occurs no matter what, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, because it doesn't necessarily have to be direct orders to get this kind of behavior and policies enacted in a major, major company in a major way. What could it, what could it be? It could be a bunch of Democrats— Right, And we're only using Democrats as the example because it's the most blatant and obvious example here. Because it could easily be Republicans and roll over Republicans like Mitch McConnell and his filthy wife. So how could you do this? All you have to know is that these groups, these individuals act autonomously, but they all have the same goal. And what is that goal at the time? To get Donald Trump out of the White House, whether you broke the law or not, whether you censored people or not. The goal was to get Trump no matter what. So all of these individuals then do whatever they can in the positions of power that they're in to abuse the policies that they're an excuse me, <coughs> Sorry, trying to hold back a cough that. <laughs> That they are able to influence, policies that they're able to influence. And so what happens is you suddenly get a landscape that is constantly in flux, but it's always moving in one direction. And you, like I said, if you've got a lot of people in positions of power, then they can impact the narrative like Twitter did, like what we find out the FBI did. So... Uh, what did the FBI do? They held weekly meetings with big techs. So, this comes from the informationliberation.com. Chris Manahan. Manahan. I don't know how to say his last name. The FBI. And also, if you go to Eric Schmidt's two T's on Twitter, you can follow the same thing. Held weekly meetings. None other than FBI agent Elvis Cham held me weekly meetings I was going to say meekly weedings, um, ahead of the 2020 election and sent in lists of URLs and accounts for them to take down in the name of fighting, quote unquote, foreign influence operations, an FBI agent revealed on Tuesday under oath. Chan, the FBI's, for, uh, I think it's specially, I forgot what the, the initials are, and senior CISA officials had meetings with social media companies in the lead up to the election in which Chan personally told the social media companies that there could potentially be a Russian hack and leak operation shortly before the election. Those meetings, initially quarterly, then monthly, then weekly, Chan stated that the FBI regularly sent social media companies these URLs because they were disinformation accounts and they were subject to malign foreign influence operations please please what this says is that you've got a, a democrat working for the fbi and this democrat is abusing his position of power to influence social media networks like twitter that's all this is these people don't care about uphold, upholding the law 
or maintaining justice. They only care about abusing their power. These Democrats are refusing to let go of power. Six degrees from James Baker, from Jonathan Turley via JonathanTurley.org. A familiar figure reemerges with releases of Twitter files. So James Baker, who is he? Who is James Baker? Well, James Baker used to work with the Clintons. Oh, goodness gracious including with the hoax of the Russian Alpha Bank situation and Donald Trump when Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman wanted to plant the bizarre false claim of a secret communications channel between Trump and the Kremlin, Baker was Sussman's go-to man. Baker influenced this. After leaving the FBI, Twitter decided to hire Baker as deputy general counsel. What a... What a what an odd coincidence. How could somebody that's involved in this Russiagate nonsense suddenly go to Twitter? How could we see the censorship on Twitter and not know that this clown is on the board? And he coordinated intimately with Vijaya Gade, who was the company's chief censor. Who would have thought that these rogue Democrats would do such a thing and turn a social media network into a political weapon. How on earth could that have happened? How on earth could the FBI be involved in all of this? Well, the FBI was suddenly talking to Twitter, and they are probably responsible for getting the New York Post's account removed from Twitter. Because they had already, and this is the important part, when did the New York Post get removed from Twitter? Why? They posted a story about the Hunter Biden laptop. Okay, sounds good. Looks legit. Well, the problem is is that the FBI was seeding the minds of Twitter employees and social media employees that this is a Russian disinformation campaign. So if you see something like this, we need to err on the side of caution. That's that's Baker's words. Baker's words. And we need to err on the side of caution. So we're going to just censor everything that references Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, this is before the story even broke because the FBI was spying on Rudolph Giuliani. And Rudolph Giuliani was trying to get the Hunter Biden laptop story out there during the election cycle. So the FBI is claiming it's Russian disinformation. Meanwhile, they're listening to Rudy Giuliani. Now, here's the other wrinkle. The FBI had the laptop since 2019. They had it for almost a year. They knew the story was true. They knew the Hunter Biden laptop was, in fact, this moron's laptop. And I would have to assume that they've searched the laptop. So they knew what was on the laptop. But we've got these individuals, Elvis Chan from the FBI, meeting weekly with Twitter to discuss hack and leak operations and making sure that there isn't any disinformation that gets onto social media so that a foreign government could influence the elections of the United States. 
There was no evidence of a foreign government influencing the elections of the United States. There was only evidence of the first family influencing the elections of the United States. There was only evidence of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Jim Biden going around, grifting, being compromised for engaging in deals that should have them locked up. Now, here's something else that people don't necessarily realize. Why can Hunter Biden get away with what he's getting away with? The answer probably has to do with Hunter Biden is more than likely an intelligence op. So once you start doing things that are illegal, it doesn't matter how much illegality you are committing. Illegal is illegal. After the head, it's all inches. So that's why Hunter can do what he's doing, because he's got the clearance to do these things. As long as he gets the deals done, as long as he gets the info on the foreign dignitary or foreign business owner or foreign spy chief in the case of China, then he's got a blank check. He can do whatever he wants. He can smoke whatever drugs he'd like. He can leave rental cars in the middle of nowhere in northern Arizona with Secret Service business cards and pistols all over. It doesn't matter. So that's what I really think is going on with Hunter Biden. So I would be completely surprised if Hunter Biden actually gets nailed with something. And finally, my final point goes with the notion that I said before that these Democrats are deranged, absolutely deranged. These people think they're doing the right thing in their magnificent omnipotence and social hierarchy. They know better than you. They know better than us. They're the ones that should be leading society. But in their megalomaniacal ways, all we see are delusions of grandeur, if not outright mental illness. Because these degenerates don't know what it is to be part of a society. They think they're looking out for the little guy, but really all they have are axes to grind because they were bullied in high school, maybe bullied in college. So now that they've got the power, they're going to make sure other people feel it. And everybody remembers Yul Roth, right? He was the safety guru. He was making sure that Twitter could be a safe space. He was the global head of trust and safety at Twitter prior to Elon Musk. So we, we look at his PhD. Uh, he, he had a PhD in communication from Annenberg School of Communication at University of Pennsylvania. And, uh, well, we brush up on some of his publications. In 2017, he wrote No Fats, No Fems, No Privacy, uh, digital media transformations in human communication, 
along with Peter Lang. And now here's what I've told you before. When you're in college, all the professors do is they teach you how to stretch out bullshit because, oh, you've got to write a 10-page paper. Why? Why does it, if I can make my point in three pages, why does it have to be 10 pages? I mean, during the old day job, I'm not writing 10-page missives. I'm writing maybe three-sentence emails to get my point across. And if I have to go beyond that, it usually results in bullet points. So sit down for this. In no fats, no fems, and no privacy, uh, Mr. Roth decides to sit. Now, I don't know how to read this. I don't know how to read this uh, because uh, do I read it with a lisp? Or do I read it with uh, like a, maybe a Nazi kind of uh, accent, a German accent? Um, like he, he did a lot of censorship, so it's a jump ball. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the lisp. All right, so this is what he says. Racism, ageism, body shaming, and famphobia are common tropes in user profiles on gay-targeted social networking sites. The blog... Douchebags of Grinder is dedicated to the task of chronicling this perceived misbehavior, posting screenshots of offensive profiles for public view and ridicule. Do websites like Douchebags of Grinder breach the expected socio-technical boundaries of gay social networking services, decontextualizing and resharing personal information without permission? I mean, how much bullshit can you shove into one sentence? It's nonsense. Basically, what he's saying is, does douchebags of Grinder uh, post things that are icky for other people? That's all he's saying. But since he's writing a paper, he's got to add all of this nonsense. Uh, so that's the first thing. We've got douchebags of Grinder. I mean, what, what a scholar. What an absolute scholar. In 2016, he contributed to Gay Data, and that was his dissertation. And since the launch in 2009, the geo-social networking service Grindr, I mean, he got a PhD in Grindr, for shit's sake, has become an increasingly mainstream and prominent part of gay culture, both in the United States and globally. Mobile applications like Grindr gives users the ability to quickly and easily share info about themselves. You mean dick pics uh, in the form of texts? Numbers and pictures, and connect with each other in real time on the basis of geographic proximity. I argue that these services constitute an important site for examining how bodies, identities, and communities are translated into data. Oh, God, shut up. You want to find out where the dick pic is, and you want to find out how close they are so that you can get your rocks off. That's all he's saying, and he did a PhD in it. And his final little dissertation, or is there more? Oh, shit, there's more. All right, so... <laughs> oh, man. Sorry for swearing. All right, he says, Zero feet away, the digital geography of gay social media. 
Uh, for this contribution, to, I can't do the lisp anymore. For uh, cartography's section of the special issue on mapping queer bioethics, the author focuses on the terrains of digital media, geosocial networking, and sexually based social media in LGBT communities, and addressing communal potentials and ethical complications. Once again, he's on Grinder. Uh, the author asks whether digital forms of cartography via applications such as Grinder and Scruff simplify, complicate, or merely expose historically long-standing notions of queer interconnectivity. So let's get this straight. Let's see. Let's let's really sum up what his PhD is all about. He downloaded Grinder, a gay hookup app, and he decided to write about it during his sexual escapades. That's what he decided to do. It's not. And this person is in charge of what on Twitter? A global head of trust and safety on Twitter? No wonder why Twitter was censoring everything. Because this guy doesn't want to come to the realization that not everybody is gay. It doesn't matter whether you like being gay or whatever. Or, or if you like others that are gay. As long as it doesn't affect your life, then who cares? But once it starts to affect your life, then you're only going to marginalize those individuals that are not part of your minority group, such as the gay community and grinder aficionados. I mean, think about... <laughs> think about this. He literally did his PhD on Grinder, a gay hookup app. And this person is then in charge of censorship for one of the most powerful political social media platforms on the planet. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, yeah, I got my <laughs> I, I got my Ph.D. Uh, by. <laughs> what did you do your dissertation? Oh, I, I did my dissertation on uh, oh, how far away people are. And uh, how long uh, I can remain turgid until I reach their homes uh, for a hookup to get my rocks off. Uh, oh, what do you do now, Mr. Roth? Well, I'm the head of global head of <laughs> trust and safety at Twitter. Man. <laughs> Could you imagine the HR rep that said, oh, send me your resume, Mr. Roth. Oh, this looks fantastic. <laughs> Ah, oh, these people are clowns. Anyway, uh, he said some other dumb crap at uh, a org situation, and he he's trying to dig himself out of a hole, so to speak, by saying, "Oh, I'm presenting uh, this this Hunter Biden laptop situation as a mistake, and we were so concerned about misinformation and and foreign influence in the this pivotal election cycle that we decided to make sure." that uh, this wasn't really part of a malicious campaign to hijack the election of 2020 like 2016 was hijacked. And then he goes on to reference that libs of TikTok and the Babylon Bee are dangerous and says that they threaten the lives of people. I mean, <laughs> what? Libs of TikTok doesn't even editorialize. Libs of TikTok literally takes social media content of liberals and posts it on their Twitter page with zero comment, no comments. <laughs> so, oh yes, that's dangerous. No, no, those people are creating 
an air of discord. Those people that libs of TikTok post and other social media, they're not dangerous. Your actions are dangerous because you're being anarchists. It's not a left-wing movement here. It's an anarchist movement. Think about it. It's an anarchist movement. I mean, anarchism generally tends to be on the extreme side of the left political spectrum. But think about, oh, you don't know what your gender is anymore. Uh, you can be called fish and fish self and, and oh, fish likes this, right? You can choose your own gender. Uh, you, you can't be, you, before Elon, uh, you can't say things without being censored. Uh, oh, oh, it's, it's the Russians that are the problem, N not NATO trying to expand its borders, not, not NATO funding neo-Nazis throughout the Ukraine. That's not the problem. Not the United States putting biolabs throughout the world. That's not the problem. Don't believe your lying eyes. It's an anarchist movement. They don't want you to be able to think properly. And if you are able to think properly, they just don't acknowledge it. And they say, oh, no, no, you're the nut. You're the radical. Why? Because I figured your crap out? Because I figured your game out and you're just lying? There's a difference between being lying and being cognitive or suffering from cognitive dissonance. Idiots. Wow, 36 minutes. Okay, I'm done. It's the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels, as always. You have been listening to Brilliance, and if you have been listening to Brilliance, you are brilliant yourself, and you are part of the Fuzzball Nation. So please, start using that hashtag, and uh, follow me, share me, spread me around, and don't shy away from your own brilliance. Talk to people. Let them see your inner light. And do not let them push you around. Another three podcasts ready to go for this week. So gird your loins.